Introducing the new Poloniex trading system, now with 30 times faster order matching, 10 times faster transactions, an enhanced user interface, and even more comprehensive features. Trade like a pro on Poloniex. For more information, visit poloniex.com now. Eager to make more informed decisions around crypto using data you can trust? Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigation support for all crypto assets for organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi. Maximize your potential with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting Chainalysis.com slash the scoop now. This episode is brought to you by IWC. IWC Schaffhausen is a Swiss luxury watch manufacturer based in Schaffhausen, Switzerland. Known for its unique engineering approach to watchmaking, IWC combines the best of human craftsmanship and creativity with cutting edge technology and processes. Discover the full collection at IWC.com or download the IWC app to experience a virtual try-on now. All opinions expressed by hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and not necessarily those of the blocks. Podcast guests may have taken positions in the assets or other matters discussed in this podcast. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For full terms, visit theblockcrypto.com slash terms dash service. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, editor-at-large at The Block, and today we have a very exciting episode of the show for you. We finally got Andy at Fractional, well, formerly known as Fractional. That's what we're going to get into. They changed the name to Tessera. What's the deal with that, Andy? Why the name change? Hey, yeah, thanks for having me, and I'll get after it real quick. It's Tessera. Tessera. Although, I mean, if that's like actually how you pronounce it or not, I, honestly, I don't really know, but we're going to go with Tessera and we've kind of decided we're sticking to it. Love it. But yeah, thanks for having me. I mean, I feel like this has been a long time coming. Super excited to come on and talk about kind of everything that we've had going on. The stars have aligned. <laughs> yeah. All it took was you coming back to New York and me fleeing New York for a little bit <laughs> to get me on the pod. But yeah, so Tessera, I, I think to kind of explain why we chose the new name is to do the description of it actually. And I'm not very creative in general. And I, I was the one on our team who like found the word Tessera and decided to use it. And so the way that I worked on renaming in overall was just I found this website called relatedwords.org and I would just search words all the time and just read all of the related words and try to find one that sounded interesting. Related to what word? Just anything I thought was interesting. And so got it. So kind of at a high level, we were like, all right, we really want something fractionals. It sounds very like financy and sounds more like a DeFi protocol. And really what's most compelling to us about what we're doing, what we're building is like the NFT space and buying things that you love and having things you identify with and joining communities that you associate yourself with. And so it just didn't totally fit like some of the vibes that we wanted. And we'd gotten that feedback from different creators yeah. and artists where they were just saying, it sounds like kind of financializing the things we want to do and all that. And that's really not what our goal is. And so after we'd gotten that feedback and enough people had called us Fractionalize and Fractal and all these different names. Um, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, it was kind of just like it had 
there have been a bunch of different little things uh, to where we kind of wanted to reset a little bit and it felt like the right time kind of during a little bit of a market lull to reset, change our name, kind of make our vision a little bit more clear. And so Tessera, I ended up finding because it is the name of a tile used to create mosaic artwork mm-hmm. and kind of the other use that can be had for it, which is, I think it's Italian, is like the idea of like a membership pass or like an identity card. And that really kind of hit two of the main things that we think our product and like NFTs kind of in general are cool and exciting for. And so, you know, kind of tiles to make a mosaic, you can pretty easily map that to to what our application does, especially in kind of some new software that we're going to be releasing soon. And then also just identity card, membership pass, kind of just how, how to me, NFTs are really how you identify yourself online and how you display yourself between PFPs and all the different new collectives and things that we've seen come out. And so that was the origin for that. Fair enough. I guess, you know, for maybe listeners who aren't aware of what the company does, right, is just allows users to access or have partial ownership of an NFT, hence the original name Fractional. It's a fractional component of it. It's funny. I love that story because even when I think about different products within the block, so often the the worst names are when you're trying to like come up with something like have it come out of you as opposed to letting something find you. Even the name for this show, it was someone on Twitter was like, you should name it the scoop. And I was like, that's, <laughs> that's genius. And like you were just kind of carousing some web based thesaurus and found this word and it happened to completely match all these aspects of the business. I just think that's so, it's so um, serendipitous. I love Yeah. That. It was really funny. It was like we shared it with a couple of people on, on the team when we found it as we were on, on a call and I was like, Hey, what do you guys think about Tessera? And then we shared it with some people and they were like, what the hell is that word? Why would, why would we name it that? And they were like, well, well, this is the definition. And we realized like, once we kind of explain how the definition of the word fits with the narrative and what we're trying to build, it just made a lot of sense. Yeah. And so you kind of hinted at how it might change the makeup of the firm or what you guys do. What should we expect to come? Yeah. So when we originally launched Fractional back in July of 2021, it was pretty basic and kind of the, for those who are not aware, the really, really basic concept is a user deposits an NFT into a smart contract and that smart contract mints ERC-20 fungible tokens and gives them back to you. From there, like when we wrote those smart contracts, we didn't really have this idea of like NFT utility, membership passes. There was a lot that hadn't really kind of become super popular yet in NFTs. So since then, what we've really wanted to do is find more ways to really kind of have it feel empowering and exciting to own, say, 10% of an NFT. And so one of the biggest changes we're kind of focusing on is shifting all of the ownership to NFTs themselves. So when you own a you know 5% of a noun, that's going to look like an NFT inside of your wallet, and it's going to trade on OpenSea or you know, any of these other NFT exchanges as opposed to Uniswap or SushiSwap or something. Interesting. So what is the state of the NFT market in your view? Like what's aside from like, what is obvious? Yeah. I feel like from my vantage point, what's interesting is price is so important to DeFi. And when price goes down, big partnerships or usage goes down, 
Whereas with NFTs, I feel like the past few weeks, despite you know floor prices and just broader crypto carnage, although market's been a little bit safer these days, there's been all these announcements like Tiffany's getting in and Gucci accepting mm-hmm. ApeCoin. Like it seems like there's still like strong adoption, even though prices are not that great. Yeah, I, I think one of the challenging things for me just like kind of as we we've watched now a larger nft cycle happen is trying to figure out what experience and like lessons i've learned from crypto over the last five years and like DeFi and different things i can kind of map one-to-one to nfts and what i can't and that's definitely something that i've noticed as well is i would say volume has definitely gone down in like the general trading but it really seems like I mean, NFTs have just garnered mainstream Web2 adoption so much faster than DeFi ever did uh, to a point where it's like it's not even really close. And so I, I think that a lot of those partnerships and building these things also just like take a lot of time and they can end up taking through an entire NFT cycle and will take longer to do. And so I think maybe that's part of it. And so, you know, maybe right now if Chain went to Tiffany's and said, hey, we want to do this CryptoPunk thing, they'd be like, hey, I don't know about that. CryptoPunks have gone down a lot. Maybe it's not a great idea. Although I know Alex is uh, actually a pretty big crypto head, so he might still say yes. Yeah, But I think that's definitely a part of it. Um, But then I also just think that there's some level of just like, I personally enjoy NFT stuff way more than DeFi stuff at this point. And like, I think it's just kind of more fun. And so even when prices are down, you know, there's nothing fun about getting rugged in like a dangerous yield farm for like some yeah. new algo stablecoin. But if some artist you like mints a cool NFT, regardless of what the price action is, if you really like that artist and want to support them, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. And you'll still have it. And it still has a degree of function that a worthless DeFi coin wouldn't have. Yeah. But worthless NFTs, they still have some functionality. And maybe we can talk about that because that's a question that's often pontificated about, but some people maybe question whether there's a there there. Like, you know, everybody's talking about, yeah, in the future, they'll unlock XYZ. It's like, well, what are they doing now? Although using the punk example, you know, there's a bridge there between the NFT and the analog world. Like that is an example of if you had been in this community, you now have an option to get this thing. Mm-hmm. And that's not the same with DeFi, although sometimes if you use something, you get an airdrop. But yeah, it doesn't totally map one to one. It's not one to one. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think one other thing with DeFi versus NFTs in general is there's like this idea of provenance or like provenance. I don't never know how you're supposed to say it with yeah, NFTs okay. that doesn't totally exist with DeFi, where like sure the DeFi tokens that I bought last market cycle, maybe they'll also be the popular DeFi tokens next market cycle, but they're like, none of that will be based on like, Oh, they were first or like some sentimental value. I think most people feel that way. Banker existed before Uniswap, but Uniswap was better. And so people like Uniswap and you can't necessarily always have that with like with artwork. There is this idea that like things that existed earlier on kind of are more valuable than the the newer things. And so, it's like a little bit easier to be like, okay, these punks, even though the market's not excited about them right now, like I can tell myself the narrative of why they would be. And it doesn't require like the Uniswap team's execution on building out Uniswap V3 or whatever 
during the time when like Unity 2 is out. And kind of different things like that are interesting. As far as like the utility stuff goes, I think it's interesting because I, I do think a lot of people think about NFT utility in a really weird way where to them, the end goal of NFT utility is like linking real world objects to NFTs and having them be like, oh, now your house is an NFT and that's cool utility because it's easier to transact. And I guess I'm a little bit jaded on real world assets on the blockchain because I worked at Maker for a long time. And that was something we spent like a lot of time trying to figure out. And it's happening, but it happened a lot slower than we expect. And I think it will always like happen slower than people expect. And well, so, and it's also just not fun. So no, it's, it's like, not I, fun. <laughs> so I think like a lot of the real, like the actual utility that we're going to see, and this is still kind of hard to think about sometimes, but I've convinced myself of it, is that like we're just going to continue getting more and more online. The metaverse that people meme about and stuff kind of already exists, but just like as people care more and more about their online identity and the way they represent themselves online as opposed to in person in a lot of different ways the utility will be way easier to like exist. Like punk's utility right now of being like a cool internet flex is a cool internet flex in some like extremely small group of people who are not very cool. And like, it doesn't really matter, but like there is a world where as the entirety of society gets more and more online, that is actual like utility. And it's the same as buying a really expensive, you know, bodega bag or something. I would argue. And I think you would agree. Like, there's no difference between the bag you're talking about and the crypto punk. You said that it appeals to a small group of people. I think both do. I think the universe of people who care about like what a Birkin bag is like that actually like, I'm like, Oh, that's impressive is probably larger, but not big relative to the population of the world than the universe of people that see a crypto punk and are like, Oh Wow. Yeah. Do you ever see someone with like a avatar and maybe not because you're so much in this world or maybe just not as vain as I am, but, and, and think, <laughs> Oh wow, that person's doing well, which is kind of the point. Yeah. So I would say every once in a while I'll see someone who has like a hoodie punk and that one in particular mm -hmm. sticks out to me because they trade at such a premium and like you have to make this bet that hoodie punks will always be cooler than regular punks. <laughs> and so either you were really early and you bought a hoodie punk before they were cool, or you were like, I know that this costs more than a regular punk, but it looks cooler. And so I want that one. Yeah. And like that one to me is one that always sticks out. Well, that one is like the flex is, wow, this guy is like really intuitive and knows the market, which is impressive. And the other is this guy just has tons of money to throw around, which is also somewhat impressive. Depending. Yeah. Money's not everything. Money's not everything. <laughs> Money talks, but it can't say and dance and it can't walk. <laughs> when you think about buying NFTs, what are the components or like, what is the rationale behind some of these buys? Like, how do you think about it? Yeah, I would say sometimes I really don't think about it. And those are the ones that generally don't go that really? good. Uh, actually, I don't know. That's like the opposite for Twitter. I feel like the tweets that I'm just like, bleh, and throw out into the world do better than the ones that I kind of toil over. Yeah, that was how it was for me for a while until I realized that I should just never actually think about tweets. <laughs> and so now I, I spend no brain power ever contemplating a tweet. So when you take brain power for NFT buying, what goes into that? So I, I guess maybe the more appropriate way to think about it is like, 
the stuff that I keep long term. So I, I generally will buy a lot of different things, but the stuff where like I buy it, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I, I actually want to keep this. I probably have some reason that I want to. Probably one of the biggest things is just that it's fun, especially for stuff that's like purely a collectible. And like that was my kind of first experience with NBA Top Shot, and that was a lot of what got me really excited about NFTs in general. Because prior to that, I was mostly just like DeFi farming random things and all of that. When I was on NBA Top Shot, I'm a huge basketball fan and I was buying all these moments and I was just really, really having fun with it. And I wasn't necessarily making the like perfect plus EV trade to get all the best moments, which in hindsight was just like buy as many LeBron James moments as humanly possible. Mm -hmm. But I was just having fun and like I wanted to be the best Oklahoma City Thunder collector because I'm a Thunder fan. Um, and I think stuff like that is actually really valuable. And I, I feel that way a lot about like nouns right now where obviously they're not as accessible, but like, for example, Allie last night, my fiance, for those who don't know her, of course. won her first Lil Nouns auction last night. And she was like legitimately very excited that she won her first Lil Nouns auction. And like, I think that is really important. And a lot of NFTs or different, th- like most things in crypto don't make you feel that way. So I think being able to find the stuff that does like just bring genuine joy to learning about crypto and interacting with the blockchain that kind of stuff is stuff I'm very, very excited about. Do you think that people who purely go into scooping up a specific collectible or NFT, people who go into it with like more of a, I love LeBron James rationale will do better at picking winners than those who maybe have a more analytical quantitative, like money-making approach. Maybe it's hard to say. I think if you're always buying the stuff you love, you can't ever make a bad trade with NFTs. The real like money answer, probably not. Maybe like throwing the caveat that if you are a person who's doing something with a more like financy background or using more analytics and stuff to figure this stuff out, uh, you're either trading like pretty quickly where it's like, okay, I'm buying this because the amount of NFTs that are listed are pretty low and I think the floor is going to go up and then I'm going to sell it. Or they also have a pretty good pulse on what people like and what people don't like. But like I think about all the PFP projects that came out kind of during this like the craziness that was the last year. And most of them have really not done that well. If you minted them, you basically made those free money. Mm-hmm. But if you bought them on secondary, a lot have not done very well over the last couple of months. And so I do think to a certain extent, like being able to know and recognize why one would do well or wouldn't is pretty hard. And probably the easiest way is just to be like, I think this looks good and I like it. And like, that was basically how I handled most PFP stuff was if I saw a project that was doing well, but I didn't really get it or was like, I don't, I don't see why people are valuing this so much. I would generally stay away from it. And that ended up like being a pretty good metric for me in a lot of ways. Now let's talk about like fractional NFTs. Why does breaking these things up not diminished the sort of flex or allure that we've been talking about if everyone can kind of have a piece and your piece is like relatively small where's the sort of flexing characteristic there yeah i think there's probably two different answers to that and one is does it affect or influence the entire collection and i think that's like pretty obviously no there are people who thought like i'd talked to at different points where like who are like oh being able to 
own 1% of a CryptoPunk like devalues all of CryptoPunks. And I was like, oh, that's just not true. I don't, I don't think that's true. I, I don't think that that's really affected anything up until this point. If anything, I think it's value additive. But I think a bigger part of kind of what we were trying to do at Fractional and now we're going to be continuing to try to do with Tessera is less focused on flexing and more on the community and like the value add that comes with doing something online with other people. I do think generally like, yeah, it is not as cool of a flex to say, yeah, I own 1% of a NFT as opposed to saying I own the entire thing. But there's also some amount of people who could never own the entire thing and are not able to. And so for those people, there's still like something that's very exciting about those. I think, again, not to refer to nouns again, but I love nouns. I think nouns is a great example of that where a lot of people want to be a part of nouns now, but cannot afford to buy a full one. And so they got really excited about little nouns and kind of everything that goes along with that because it's like nouns, but it's not the same. And so it's not the same level of flex. It's not really a flex at all to put a little noun as your PFP, but it has all these other benefits of a fun group of people who are all really excited about nouns and a novel ownership mechanism and stuff like that. And so I think it's really just kind of reshaping like what it is that's exciting about a particular NFT or owning that NFT, generally more so in like the collecting things that you love and like meeting other like-minded people and being in interesting communities. Got it. That makes sense. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I guess it's that community element that is additive. Do you remember your first NFT? It was uh, Top Shot. So. I remember when I minted, when I, uh, that was, I was an early adopter, you could say, of uh, Super Rare, I think it was. Oh, yeah. 2019. Or maybe it was Larry that did it and he just gave it to me. Yeah, that's pretty good. That was, no, I think Larry minted it, I think. It's probably worth something at this no, point. It's, worth, it's worthless. Whatever it's, it was. It's worthless. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. I was active and like developing Solidity at the point when CryptoKitties was out and popular. Whether or not I ever bought one, I don't know. I, at that point, generally thought that it was, it was stupid, which in hindsight, like really wish I hadn't felt that way. But... Probably Top Shot was like my major step. I, I'm sure if I looked at like my entire account history, I've had some other like trash NFT that I bought. <laughs> Probably maybe an ENS if we count that. Yeah. Top Shot was my first like actively collecting things. And that was pr- pretty quickly followed on by like punks and a bunch of other stuff. Introducing the new Poloniex trading system with 30 times faster order matching, 10 times faster transactions, an enhanced user interface, and even more comprehensive features. Trade Bitcoin, Ethereum, and over 30 other perpetual swap contracts with up to 100x leverage on Poloniex futures and earn staking rewards on a variety of tokens. Trade like a pro on Poloniex. For more information, visit poloniex.com now. Are you eager to make more informed decisions around crypto using data you can trust? Chainalysis is here to help. Chainalysis demystifies cryptocurrency by providing industry-leading compliance, market intelligence, and investigation support for all crypto assets for organizations like Gemini, Crypto.com, and BlockFi. Gain unparalleled visibility and maximize your potential 
with the leading blockchain data platform by visiting chainalysis.com slash the scoop now. This episode is brought to you by IWC. IWC Schaffhausen is known for continually innovating within the world of Swiss watchmaking. A pioneer in the use of titanium and ceramics, IWC today specializes in highly engineered watch cases manufactured from advanced materials such as colored ceramics, ceritanium, and titanium aluminide. This year's collection includes colored ceramic pieces in Lake Tahoe white and woodland green. Discover the new collection at IWC.com or download the IWC app to experience a virtual try-on now. So what, what's the plan like going forward, like after this sort of rebrand relaunch, do you think it'll add some like, you know, oomph to the business? Well, so a big part of it is going to be releasing the second version of our protocol, which we've been working on for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and so that'll come relatively shortly after the rebrand and kind of everything that comes along with that. And the main thing there, like as we've been talking about with NFT utility and all that is kind of coming to the realization slash acceptance that there was never going to be like a one size fits all protocol for collective ownership of NFTs because everyone is different. And so, you know, the way that you would want to own 1% of a noun versus 1% of a CryptoPunk versus 1% of an ENS or whatever NFT are all very different. And there's like some base level of primitives that are all going to be the same, but you know, maybe with a noun you want to have like participate in governance and like you have, you know, your 1% of a say in a nouns vote in nouns governance or with ENS, you maybe want to claim subdomains or different things like that. There's a lot of different kind of interesting usage that you can do for different NFTs. And so a big focus for us over the next couple of months is going to be rolling out a bunch of those things that we've been building. And so trying to really have much more specific and thoughtful ownership experiences that I think are a lot more exciting than just kind of a one size fits all get an ERC 20 token back when you fractionalize a, a crypto punk or anything like that. Interesting. That makes sense. I remember one time you were like super busy raising. Was that, did that happen yet? Yes. Okay. So what's the round? Yeah. So we earlier this summer closed our series a, which was led by Paradigm again. Fantastic. Thankfully, we've been super happy working with them. They're awesome. Super exciting. So we raised $20 million, which is awesome. So we're just building out the team a lot, all, all that, which has been another pretty big focus for us. You going to buy any NFTs with that? I'm working on it. I, I <laughs> Probably not, but I really, I do have some NFTs that I think the, the company should yeah. own. Wintermute. They have like company NFTs that they buy, which I think is funny. I think I, I love think it's that. It's great. Yeah. It's everyone's kind of doing like a side pocket for like NFT investing, but it's tricky because there's like this whole institutionalization of NFTs that's happening where like the custodians are coming in. I think Anch Anchorage is one example where they, you know, kind of offer like the, the same type of institutional custody but for nfts so that's an interesting trend that's happening right now you know i wonder like you know with coinbase like i wonder if they're cooking up like 
macro hedge fund, you know, you custody your Bitcoin with us. Do you want to? Because these guys, they know art, like someone like Steve Cohen, like, I think yeah. he's going to get red pilled one day. I think he probably already owns some NFTs yeah. based on his fund that he has. Yeah. Like the guys who are leading his fund are pretty NF, like in the weeds with NFTs. So I bet he yeah. does. That's interesting. Yeah. I've always wondered if someone's going to make like a, a large value prop of Coinbase or a lot of these exchanges is really just that it's a place for people to like custody their, their crypto and who don't like have any crypto knowledge. And I really wonder who's going to make the first like centralized NFT custody wallet thing that just like has some insurance and lets you deposit your NFTs and then like maybe send some transactions to mint stuff, but doesn't let you get rugged. Yeah, that would be useful. What do you think about future utilities? Like what, like everybody talks about X being good for NFTs. You mentioned the real world assets. What about what utility can be baked into NFTs that you, you don't really see much today, but could happen in the future? Yeah, well, I guess like I I am decently excited about NFTs as far as like real world events and like ticketing and stuff like that. I think that's like a pretty compelling use case uh, long term in general. Ticketing historically on the show. Oh yeah, I just I don't know. I I don't get it. You can red pill me. I just don't get why can't you just do why can't you just do like Soho House? Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. So it's like, um, like your membership card. Is that so that like, yeah, my hot take is that memberships aren't restrictive enough with NFTs right now. Totally. Like a proof collective and G money's admit one, although his was actually pretty restrictive, but all of these should be like way harsher. Like, sorry, you're not cool enough to own one of these. You're not allowed. How do you implement like your cool to the whitelisting procedure? Like, how does that work? Uh, so what I would love also, to see, are there enough cool maybe, crypto people? Like it's probably like me, no. you, G money, Kobe, just kidding. That might be it. None of us are cool. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. Um, no, I think you would basically just have like in the same way that maker has like a weekly vote, you would have like a weekly vote of who gets added to like an allow list to buy the NFT. And just unless if you're not on that allow list, you can't buy it. Um, it's, it's probably a horrible idea. It's like there's a committee kind of. of Yeah. And you'd have to like submit a proposal. You'd go to the discord, say why you're cool, why you'd be a value add to the, to the collective. And then maybe they'll sell you one. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, okay. But sorry, I'll go back to utility stuff. So I think again, like I really think what we're going to end up seeing as the actual utility of NFTs is really going to happen when we start seeing like real reasons that you want to spend time and do things online as opposed to in the real world more so that include NFTs. And so it's like the utility of NounsDAO is being able to vote in NounsDAO, like in of Nouns NFTs, because like people actually want to vote in Nouns and there is a massive treasury of ETH. And so that's like very valuable to them to be able to vote and do stuff with Nouns. Uh, same thing with like ENS. ENS utility has nothing to do with like real world applications or any really other applications, but it like has become popular to use ENS as a way to route funds to people instead of using their address. Yeah. And so I think really what we'll see is just more interesting and thoughtful NFTs that are purely on chain that where the utility is something that is actually on chain, not just like 
some idea or reliant on some you know company or fund to airdrop you more nfts because uh, that doesn't feel super sustainable yeah that's fair there's been a number of uh, competitors kind of crop up that are adding these social components, like allowing groups to come together and crowdfund a premium NFT. How could you lean in on social? Yeah, it's definitely something that we want to do uh, and trying to like find the right balance with. We've seen a lot of excitement early on when we were uh, getting people onto the platform, everyone loved to use PartyBid and kind of do that whole experience, mm-hmm. which for those who aren't aware is a, basically a crowdfunding to buy NFTs protocol that's built on top of uh, Fractional, where you pool together funds, participate in auctions, and when you win that auction, it gets uh, thrown into the protocol. It's definitely something that we want to like continue like working with PartyBid and doing interesting stuff there. I think the question of like how social you want to get is interesting is like, okay, do you just want to be social during the crowdfunding? And like, that's the really fun part where everyone's pooling money together and buying something interesting or is like, is it a social club after that? And people want to continue talking to each other and make a discord and like have this be an ongoing thing until eventually someone buys the entire NFT. And that part, I really don't know. Um, We're going to have to just kind of, experiment a bit and test some of our thesis out there but i like already have discord fatigue so the idea of being in like a separate chat for every single one of the nfts that i own really sounds like a lot sounds horrible yeah but in general like the idea of being able to buy stuff online with your friends is like pretty compelling yeah gaming we haven't talked about gaming is that interesting to you yeah i I think so. I, I think I'm like decently skeptical about a lot of the like crypto native games. They're not that they, a lot of them don't seem that exciting to me. I'm a pretty big gamer, uh, or used to be more so than I am now. And I guess I like probably have a decently high standard for games, and a lot of them look more like elaborate DeFi farms than actually games. Yeah, um, that's a funny way of putting it. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. It's like, did you come up with that? That's good. I did. I just made it I up like right that. now. Uh, thank you. But yeah, it's like if you, if, if the end goal of the, whatever game you made is for me to farm your token to sell to someone else, like I'm really just, I'm farming with my time instead of my like balance sheet. And so mm-hmm. that kind of stuff isn't as exciting to me, but like I am very excited about actually good games. I'm super excited for parallel. Like I'm, I'm, I used to play Hearthstone pretty competitively, and so would love to have a good competitive crypto native card game that people played. And with that kind of stuff, there's like, I guess it's a good, way, a good example of utility stuff. But you know, in a world where you collectively own a really rare parallel card with a bunch of people, you could totally set up kind of a mechanism where the owners of that card are able to rent it out and use it in the game. And that's like a pretty straightforward example of like a place to go and have some utility and, and also use that NFT in a game or as an in-game item, whatever. You know, we haven't really seen any crypto games like actually come out and be super fun. I actually was super popular. Uh, and it, like, that's definitely fallen off. I'm, I'm curious to see like this next wave of games. I'm interested in Alluvium. 
I know they're like having people play test, but I haven't really had a chance to watch it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, I understand the inherent value in like adding the ability to ascertain like physical value from an in-game item since so many people like, you know, there's a utility that should have a value. That's what's so cool about NFTs is it creating value out of nowhere to an extent. Mm -hmm. Like we know this in-game sword is like super important to like winning at the game and everybody wants it, but it's worth nothing, which is crazy. Yeah. Like it should be worth something. But then the flip side of that argument is, well, you don't want to just, I mean, certain things just shouldn't be financialized to an extent. It should just be what it is, is like, you know, the beautiful lilies in the field, you know, should they, uh, you know, have a price? No, they should just be these beautiful things that we get to watch the sunset. Another example. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's, it's, it's actually a pushback that I've gotten from a few of my friends who are really into video games as, you know, they're crypto aware, not super in the weeds and also pretty big gamers. And I was like trying to understand from them a bit more of like why gamers are so against NFTs in general. And my one friend had a good point. He was like in gaming, it's already so pay to win. And there's like so much of gaming is like, you know, memed kind of as the devs extracting money from players and all that's popular with NFTs is all they see is, Oh, look at how much money this NFT sold for. It's so rare. It's so expensive. And he's like, that sounds awful for games. Like I don't, I don't want to have to pay even more money to play the games that I like. And so I, I do think that there's a lot of like education that needs to be done there. And also like, hopefully the games that become popular and successful don't require those things. Like to me, an example of some like a NFT for gaming that makes a ton of sense is stuff that's not, like pay to win for example like skins in league of legends in league of legends they make insane amounts of money every year on just in-game cosmetics and like those to me could 100 percent be nfts all with different rarities and it's purely just like if you spend a lot of time on league of legends and you want to have one of the rarest skins you can have it and like maybe every once in a while if you're really really good or really lucky you can like earn a like a rare skin for free but stuff like that to me is way more compelling than just like I bought the best gun in the game and now I'm the strongest. Yeah. No, that's a real, I mean, I think that's like the key thing to sort of differentiate. Like that's what matters. I feel like there's like a good balance. Like if you're a game developer, just don't go full NFT. Find like that happy medium or don't go full like DeFi either. Find that happy medium. Mm -hmm. I think it's cool because I do like thinking about the way financial markets operate, but when you know Axie was saying they were launching an exchange, I was like, "That's interesting," but again, like on the flip side, it's like, "Okay, but like it's a game. Like, what is a game? Like, do you need you know is that going too far?" So, what else are you excited about out there in the world of of NFTs? What should our listeners be keeping a close eye on? I feel like parallel is is like interesting, but but nobody's really the apes are still doing their thing but hasn't been any cra crazy news recently. No, there really hasn't been too much. I think one of the interesting things that's happened recently has been like the conversation around CC zero stuff, mm -hmm. kind of a lot of that drama with Moonbirds becoming CC zero. Oh, right. um, 
honestly, I, I think people care way too much about all of that, to be totally honest with you. It's like an interesting conversation of, you know, what should artists do with their rights and what's the best for like the mimetic value of their NFTs and their artwork. But at the same time, like end of the day, it probably really doesn't matter that much. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. People were really upset. Yeah. That one in particular was interesting. I think people were more upset that it was changed after the fact. And so it's like, I bought this NFT with one one set of licenses that gave me rights to like, you know, make money off of my NFT essentially. And now you just made it so that no one would ever want to sign a licensing deal with me because it's now CC zero. Mm -hmm. So there was like one guy who had a really rare moon bird who was saying that he had like a six figure licensing deal lined up that fell through because of this. And so that kind of stuff is interesting. It's at least important to like be aware of. I mean, it's important to be aware of. I mean, it raises this broader question of like about like control who sort of is in the driver's seat of some of these, some of these collections. Yeah. Yeah. It it makes me like really excited and like think a lot too about the stuff that I'm really into like really, really on chain stuff. Um, whether like the art's all on chain or like, you know, it's CC zero, no, like no license and all the arts on chain and there's no owner and all that. Like, I, I think that stuff is really compelling because it feels like super, super crypto native. And I think that stuff will do well over time, like cryptodes and a lot of the stuff that like Dom has made random things like that. I think that stuff's interesting of just like this idea of some nfts people you know people call them jpegs and joke they're like oh it's just a picture linked to a token and this idea of like okay what is like a really crypto native nft mean or look like and i don't think it really matters that much but i find that like that kind of stuff pretty interesting of how do you make nfts feel even more crypto native as opposed to being like this kind of middle ground like okay i put a picture on the blockchain the first time I think I came across you, you were profiled in the New York Times, or was it the Wall Street Journal? Unless there was an article in the New York Times I didn't know about, it was the Wall Street Journal. Well, there was a picture of you. It was definitely <laughs> the Wall Street Journal, because I, I, I get it delivered, and I opened it up, and I was like, all right, let's see what this guy's all about. That's pretty cool. You should put that on the blockchain. That'd be really funny. I, I wonder if the Wall Street Journal would be mad at me. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I'm I don't not sure know. I have the rights. They're fine. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was funny. Like that picture in particular. I they had they're like, all right, we're having a photographer come to your place, take photos, and I was like, really? Do we have to do that? And they're like, yeah, like, okay, whatever. And they're like, yeah, since it's COVID, we're only going to take photos outside. I was like, all right, cool, fine. Put on a jacket. We go take photos for like an hour outside. We walk around all of Williamsburg. It's ridiculous. And then we come back and she had like put some of her stuff in our place and she was like, Oh yeah, do you mind if I take a few photos of you like at your computer and stuff? Yeah. And my desk was like a total mess. And I was like, do you want me to clean my desk? And she's like, no, it's fine. I was like, all right, fine. <laughs> just like sat down, just took like three pictures and left. So and that funny. was one she used. Like, I really wish that you had told me you were going to use. Yeah. Do we, do we need to go outside for like clean my an desk. hour? Yeah. <laughs> but that was still really weird. Still like kind of surreal. Doesn't, doesn't totally feel like it happened. I know. Now you're on the scoop. I mean, this is just rocket ship. Yeah, up only. Bullish. <laughs> Andy, this was so much fun. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on and just talk about the rebrand, especially especially just like getting some news on the show, which is always very exciting. Where can our listeners learn more about 
the rebrand, everything that you're doing at the company? Yeah, so you can head to tessera.co, which will be our new Almost domain. said fractional. I did. I caught, I caught myself. <laughs> you can also head to fractional.art where we will have a pop-up there that lets you know nice. some more information about what's happening. There are a couple blog posts kind of talking about what's next for the website, fractional.art, and also kind of what we're building, next steps, what we're excited about. But really, I think Twitter is probably going to be the best place to kind of stay most up-to-date on anything. Uh, where can we find you on Twitter? The Twitter handle is Tessera, or you can just find Andy A052 and see what I'm tweeting because I'll probably be tagging it a lot. Andy, thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back with you again with another great guest. Have an awesome day.